Good morning, fam. All right, got 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> this has been a uh, it's been a great service. This um just for those of you that might be visiting, just so you know as well, and for the rest of the body, this is one of the few Sundays, probably two out of the year, where the school asks us to be out at one o'clock because they have an open house, and so normally we get out at one, one thirty, two o'clock. We got to be out by one today, so. <laughs> um, if you're looking for a conversation and friendship afterwards, we'll take it outside. We'll hang out. <laughs> we'll hang out. So, uh, yeah, we love you guys. So this morning, we're going to be uh, <clears throat> jumping back into the, or continuing on in the book of Genesis, which has been uh, a fun road so far, guys. We're on chapter 16. We're moving fully through it. And uh, if you need a Bible, um, raise your hand or something. Eric will... Uh, pass those out to you guys. We want to get into chapter 16 today. But um, before we get into chapter 16, just by way of a little bit of review, just to look at um, at least in Abram's life, who is the character that we're focusing on, Abram and his wife Sarai. Let's look at, uh, so chapter 12, he comes on the scene, and God is very clear that I've got a plan for you, and that uh, my plan is to give you a land and make you a great nation. Uh, amazing promise of God. Um, and we see right away <laughs> that uh, Abram is not perfect. He, um, he goes during uh, a drought in the land, a time of famine. He takes his wife and all of the belongings that God has given him up to Egypt, because <clears throat> there's food there, and uh, <laughs> he gives his wife over to Pharaoh through a series of events. And God says, wait a minute, um, I need... I need you to be with Sarai because there's going to be a lineage of people. Remember I said I was going to make you into a great nation? Well, (laughs) she's important in this equation, so I'm going to put a plague on Pharaoh, and uh, he's going to say, oh, you married already? Go back to your husband, and they leave Egypt. And so we saw God's grace pop up there. In chapter 13, we continue to track uh, Abram, and uh, we see the story where he and his his brother Lot, who um, God had made, very wealthy, with lots of belongings. They were too too great for the land, so they split and went their own separate ways. And uh, Lot actually took up by Sodom, which is kind of the, the rowdy, crazy area. <laughs> and we see in the next chapter that Abram has to go after him because he gets scooped up in some battles uh, and is taken away by a conqueror. God gives Abram victory. And then we see this really cool interaction where he comes in uh, Melchizedek, this priest of God Most High, who is who is a priest and a king, which, again, we don't see that again until Jesus. So we see that Jesus is in this lineage of priest kings. Um, and he blesses Abram, again, uh, reaffirming, if you will, Abram, you have a, you have, there's a plan for your life. And God has a specific call, and he's going to make a great nation out of you. And we see that looking back on history, that this is the means that Jesus comes from, which is even even cooler. Last week, David took us through, I think, one of the one of the best chapters in the Bible, Genesis 15, where we see this covenant relationship uh, really beginning. Up until this point, um, God has shown up a number of times. He said, I'm going to be with you, Abram. Trust me. We've got this relationship we're building here. And now uh, God actually goes to the table and says, um, I'm going to I'm going to begin. I'm going to have a covenant with you, Abram, a covenant where normally, as David pointed out last week, you've got a covenant between two people. 
in the Old Testament, they would uh, cut an animal in half, and the two of them would walk in half, walk between this, this animal cut in half. And in so doing, they would be saying, hey, if, if you don't <laughs> uphold your, your deal, your end of the bargain here, you're going to be cut in half just like that animal. So it was serious. They took it very serious. And so God didn't let Abram walk between the animal pieces <laughs> because he knew uh, that Abram would not be able to fulfill his end of the covenant. And so God wrote it on himself. Does that make anybody think of Jesus later on in the future? The one who indeed was broken for our sin? Uh, chapter 15 is, is huge because it really gives us a vision for where God is going uh, through the rest of the whole Bible. Um, again, sorry, fam, if I'm, I'm going fast, hopefully you're tracking with me. As we know, this is a body where we can ask questions. We, you know, if you have, wait a minute, what would you say? Please raise your hand. Um, and so today we're going to be in chapter 16, and uh, yeah, it's, it's in red, just like we saw in chapter 12, which means it's not necessarily one of the best chapters for Abram and Sarai. There's some, uh, there's some stuff that goes on in this chapter that is, uh, that is hard, and yet it's a view we get to see God's grace stepping in again. But it should remind us, fam, uh, that Abram is not perfect. A lot of times uh, we look at biblical characters and we just think that they were these perfect people. Uh, no, <laughs> we're going to see some bad mistakes. We're going to see some bad decisions. And prayerfully, God will teach us through Abram and Sarai how to make uh, godly decisions. Okay. So, fam, as we jump into the text here, I'm going to uh, just real quick ask the Holy Spirit to guide me. Um, again, I don't want to do this in my own strength, and you don't want me to either. So we want to hear from God. We want to hear from God. <laughs> Lord, we just pause. Um, Father, I thank you so much for leading us this morning already, uh, for showing up as we uh, have shared our hearts. We have shared... Um, cool moments with family members that are leaving. Um, we've shared, uh, yeah, we've heard about repentance as we've sung out to you. And, and Lord, we've admitted uh, that we are, we are sinful people. And the only reason we can come here and gather and be called righteous is because we believe in Jesus. So would you, would you work through this time? Teach us um, how to live faithfully for you. And we thank you that you lead and guide that process. Uh, so open our ears in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read a little bit here, fam. So if you've got your Bible there, follow along. Uh, We're going to read the first six verses here in chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai uh, said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my maidservant in your arms, and now, she, now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between uh, you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said, and do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. 
It's the first half of the chapter that we're going to look at. We're going to look in depth a little bit more into this and uh, just see what's going on. So it says, again, verse 1, um, so how long, I think a good question to ask as we read through the scripture is, how long has Sarah been, been barren? Um, I think we read chapter 15, we see this amazing promise, specifically that God promises Abram that through him, through his lineage, um, well, his lineage will be as great as the stars in the sky, uncountable. He's going to have lots of offspring. Um, but wait a minute, there's a problem. <laughs> his wife is barren. So... How long has she been this way? Well, Abram, just to break it down for you, Abram is about uh, 85, 86 years old at this point, and his wife is 76. Uh, We find out later in the same text that the promise in chapter 15 wasn't yesterday. It was 10 years ago. Um, So this isn't like (laughs) they forgot. Well, it's been 10 years. It has been a bit of time. And, I mean, I'm not... I don't think they got married 10 years ago. I think they'd probably been married for a while. I mean, they're 76 and 86. So it's probably been 60 years plus that she's known that she can't have children, that she's barren. Um, at least we don't have any recollection that they have other children. I don't, I don't think they do. <laughs> um, so just to, just to give you guys the full picture. So, uh, so Sarah has been barren for a really long time. Um, and this is interesting. I found this in a commentary that uh, it, yeah, that actually a lot of rabbinic scholars look back at this and they say that that's grounds for divorce. So if your wife is barren for 10 years or more, that's that's grounds in the rabbinical world um, to be divorced. And so she's not crazy. <laughs> um, she just isn't trusting God. But we'll get to that. Um, so and then where did this where did, where did Hagar come in here? Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, we, we re- re- briefly referenced their short stint in Egypt. And that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a good moment uh, for this couple. Um, and this Egyptian woman that now is in the mix in this another bad decision, she was actually given to Sarai by Pharaoh to be um, a concubine. She was basically a woman that helped serve a royal um, yeah, like a royal queen, if you will. And so, so this woman, um, again, I mean, it's interesting to think back. Well, they might not have been in this situation if they hadn't gone to Egypt <laughs> and if Abraham hadn't have given his wife to Pharaoh. Um, so it's just interesting to see how those bad decisions continue to come back and haunt them. But that's where Hagar came from. Um, and she's pretty much the opposite, by the way, of Sarah. She's young. Um, she's fertile, as we'll find out soon. Um, she's a slave, um, and the list goes on and on. And so she's this gift from Pharaoh. Uh, and then we see in, in the next couple of verses here, um, yeah, I read this already, um, so I'm not going to read it again, but does this event remind you um, of anything that we have seen in the book of Genesis already? This whole idea that... Uh, a wife comes to her husband, um, offering uh, a plan, if you will, uh, that maybe isn't exactly what God had in mind. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. The women are like, <laughs> what's going on here? No, no, I'm just saying, does it remind you of anything? That's all I'm saying. Caleb? 
Adam and Eve. I, I think this is purposeful by the author to uh, actually there's some 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 language, some wording here that uh, he didn't have to use. But I think he did to actually allow the reader to key in and say, oh, this moment's actually kind of similar to the fall where Adam and Eve actually Eve um, let Adam wrongly. Adam wasn't not at fault, guys. I'm not saying that they both sinned. <laughs> but um, uh, so, yeah, Adam and Eve in the garden. And actually, you can see there in verse two, it says Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So she brought this proposition. Hey, you go take my maidservant as a wife. <clears throat> I'll build a family through her. Uh, and he agreed. Now, um, yeah, the Hebrew word there is translated listened in Genesis 3.17. But it's basically God coming to him and saying, since you listened or agreed with your wife, this is your punishment. Um, and so it's the same Hebrew word. Again, I think th- trying to remind us that these two situations are very similar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's deep for us to think about and say, OK, this is happening again. <laughs> OK, and so I think it brings up this big in my mind, this question. OK, so how do we make godly decisions? Um, the fall obviously wasn't a godly decision. And now the decision that is transpiring before us here in chapter 16 um, has some flaws in it as well. I like to think of things, my disciple taught me this back in college, but I like to think of things in terms of uh, a pendulum um, and that oftentimes the place to be, God wants us to be centered in the middle of the pendulum, not on either extreme. And so kind of imagine with me this idea of making godly decisions and two extremes, you know, the extreme on your left there is passivity or idleness. So that is a tendency that I want to propose that Everyone in this room has a tendency to either be very passive and idle when it comes to decisions in your life. And on the right hand side, um, taking matters into your own hands. And so I want to say that God, God doesn't want us to be on either extreme there. He wants us to make decisions by faith, which is there in the middle. And we see in this story, we see that um, we see a husband who um, he didn't come up with this plan. But he was still, he accepted it. He passively said, okay, sounds good to me. (laughs) And we we see a wife that uh, she knew what God had promised Abram. Now, granted, she'd been barren for 10 years. Granted, she might have been thinking, well, it's still a son through him, which is what God promised. Maybe he just didn't want me in the picture. Um, But it's still taking things into her own hands and saying, God, I'm going to I'm going to make this work. Because I want children <laughs> and, uh, and and family, I want you to think about your own lives. We're going we're to camp out here for a minute. Um, we all have decisions that we're making big decisions about who you'll marry. Some of you are not married in this room. Um, big decisions about where we'll work, what we'll do with our lives. Uh, I mean, all the way down to the little decisions, you know, am I going to grow in Christ? Uh, on a daily basis, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Um, and so, Sam, uh, I don't have a, a ton of time, but I did want to share a couple of, uh, you know, as a, as a preacher, one of my roles is to share my life a little bit, to share times when I've made mistakes. <laughs> and uh, so I just wanted to use actually, you know, 
we always say this, but the second biggest decision apart from accepting Christ is the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So you're whether or not you're going to marry this person. And uh, and I struggled with that decision for a long time in my life. Many of you don't know this. I came here to Mac Ave. Um, actually, I was here for a year engaged, and then Kelty and I got married shortly after. But so many of you haven't, haven't seen that journey in my life because I'm married. Uh, but actually, when I was on staff with Campus Crusade, I met a uh, a woman um, who was from Texas, and we, uh, we we dated, we courted for a long time, and and we were actually uh, engaged to be married. And I uh, I ended that uh, just before the the actual wedding was supposed to take place, and um, it was a very very hard moment in my life. But uh, one of the reasons that I want to bring up, okay, so I in that process. Um, I swung to the right, taking matters into my own hands. I thought, okay, here's a godly woman. We like each other. Uh, let's move forward in this relationship. Along the way, there were red flags. Um, she hated Detroit, <laughs> um, which is where I lived at the time. <laughs> and uh, there were... There were there were other relational uh, yeah we just we um, had a hard time communicating about a lot of issues uh, um, I felt like in the relationship I ended up being more passive a lot of the times because she has very strong personality and uh, we got to a place where the question was looming do I marry this girl and uh, that decision guys I've confessed to the Lord already I made that decision I took it in my own hands I knew that she wanted to get married um, I knew that. We talked about it a lot. Um, I felt like I had done my part in pursuing this girl and getting this far in the relationship, even though there was red flags. Um, and so I actually, I, I even, I, I'm sad to say this, but I was going to propose to her uh, two visits, and I said no to myself. And the third visit, after like she found out about the previous two and was mad at me, I finally, okay, well, we'll get married. <laughs> and so... Okay, it wasn't quite that simple, but I, I took matters into my own hands, fam. And the results uh, were breaking someone's heart, um, wasting a lot of money, <laughs> wasting a couple of years of my life. Um, and uh, God redeemed a lot of the situations in that, which I look back and I see his hand. Um, but it was, it was a bad decision. It wasn't um, uh, the best decision. And so a couple of years later, I'm then seminary at this point. Uh, this woman named Kelty is kind of following me around, and yeah. and I'm I'm acting passive because I I didn't want to make another mistake. Um, I'm timid. Uh, I think by nature I'm, my personality is a little bit more passive. So you know I, I I gather I'm not dumb. I know she likes me. She's hanging out around my circle of friends. We have a class together. I'm starting to hear her heart. This girl is actually talking about she loves uh, ministering cross-culturally. Um, we did a paper, similar papers on ministering to African Americans. I'm like, man, she might even go to Detroit. No, I don't want to. I don't want to pursue anything. So I waited right up until I graduated from seminary, and I said, uh, Do you want to come with me for a free dinner to my graduation dinner? <laughs> As a friend, yeah, as a friend. Okay, so long, long story short, a week later, she's been hanging out. Leon, um, uh, two other close friends came to me and said, Eric, this girl really likes you. 
what are you doing? You know, are you, are you talking to her about this? Are, are you just being passive? <laughs> um, and, uh, and so it's actually my, my brother there, Leon, is saying, let's, let's seek God. Let's, let's take a week. Um, I'll fast with you. Let's pray and just ask the Lord what he would have you do. Um, and so the pendulum swung back to the middle. And as we just really pursued the Lord, and at the end of that week, um, God hadn't spoken to me in a vision. Um, but I was able to really take time away and say, okay, God, um, I've sought wise counsel. I've asked what other Christians think about the situation. I know this girl. She's amazing. Uh, you know, to some degree, there's always a step of faith. You never know the future. But I'm willing to take the step of faith, trusting that you're in this, Lord. And, uh, and, and, and God allowed me to, at the end of that week, tell Kelty that I was ready to start this thing. And uh, we started dating. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I, I share all that, family, not to focus overly on my life, but just to show you um, that, that we are often prone to either one of these extremes, uh, taking things into our own hands or being more passive. Um, and I want to challenge you today that God wants you in the middle. He wants you to say, OK, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm reading your word um, to discern what your truth is. I'm, I'm asking wise counsel, other friends of mine that have the Holy Spirit that can also say, you know what, that's a good idea, or no, <laughs> that is a bad idea. Um, and I'm actually submitting to that counsel. Um, if you want to learn more about godly decisions, fam, this is something we talk a lot about in discipleship relationships. We're very serious about um, learning how to make godly decisions at, at, here at Mac Ave. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so now we're going to see some results of a bad decision um, made by Sarah, uh, Sarai, sorry, her name hasn't changed it, and Abram. Um, so, so yeah, so he goes on, he, um, he sleeps with Hagar, and she conceives. And then immediately, uh, there's this word, she began to despise her mistress. Well, actually, the Hebrew word there is more... Um, to lose esteem for. I think despise has more of a tendency that you, you're like hating her, like mean to her. Um, but the, I don't think that's the case. Uh, she began to lose esteem for her. I mean, think about it. She's been a slave of this woman her whole life, a servant of this woman. And now all of a sudden, she's with the man. <laughs> she's pregnant. Um, and she's starting to kind of lose some of this esteem that she had for Sarai. And, uh, and Sarah jumps all over that and there's actually, I don't want to get too much into it, but there were, there were like codes or laws in ancient um, societies, Near Eastern societies, that if this is the case, um, you, can get, you can get her out of here. You can get the servant out of here. The, um, the first wife has the ability to do that. And so she goes to her man, and again, because of this bad decision, and now that she's feeling, uh, uh, yeah, like she's being um, esteemed less, She's like, you brought this on me. And so she gets mad at Abram and um, calls the Lord a judge. Now, the Lord doesn't say anything <laughs> and uh, says, your servant is in your hands, Abram responds. So, again, kind of, a, kind of a passive response. Okay, well, you put her in my arms, I'm putting her in your hands. You, you do what you feel, think is best. Now, I think it's important, though, to see uh, that he does say, um, do what you think is best not do whatever you want. <laughs> um, that, is, that is a little bit of a difference there. Um, so, guys, again, what happened here is that God, in Genesis 2.24, mandated that marriages be between one 
husband, one wife. And we're seeing a bad result here because that didn't happen. And we're, we also see throughout the book of Genesis later in chapter 30 uh, and 35 and then again in Exodus and then Deuteronomy. This is kind of something that continues to plague God's people is when you have multiple wives, it always leads to instability in the family. Drama always comes around. Um, so, yeah, we see that Sarai blames Abram for her pain. Uh, Hagar is mistreated. Again, not what, God, not what Abram asked for. He said, um, do whatever you think is best. And so we see this situation where Hagar flees. She leaves. There, um, there's a barren wasteland in between where they're living and Egypt, which is probably where she travels to. But let's see that story here. So verse 7 to 16. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will be with a son. You will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. The Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man and his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. She gave the name. uh, I'm sorry. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well uh, was called Bir Lahe Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So this is the the part in the story where we see uh, God's hand of redemption. Um, Now it's not, now don't get me wrong here, there's still... Um, a whole other line of people that come as a result of this bad decision <laughs> by Sarai and Abram. We've got um, a line which we'll talk about in a minute. But, but here is this woman, imagine with me, um, a woman who's pregnant by herself. I'm sure in the, in the heat of leaving the situation, she didn't pack for a journey. And she's in the middle of this desert. And, uh, and, and God meets her at a well um, and basically rescues her and says um, and begins this conversation with her. And now what we have here, uh, this is called, many scholars call this a theophany. And that's where God shows up um, through an angel or to Moses in a burning bush. Or it's where God comes on the scene. They call it a theophany in scripture. It doesn't happen all that often. Um, the angel of the Lord here, though, um, comes to her specifically and rescues her. And this is a a beginning of the sign of how God is going to restore, redeem the situation. So one option could have been that she went into the desert and died and we never heard from her again. Um, that didn't happen. God, God met with her there. Okay. And so, um, and then there's actually some blessing that happens here. 
at this point, she didn't know if she was going to have a boy or a girl. Now, in that culture, um, a boy was, was wanted more than a girl because it was through his name or that lineage would continue to go forth. And so to have a boy was a blessing, but also uh, to be told that there's going to be um, they're going to be too numerous to count. So this generation of children that you're going to birth is going to make themselves a great nation. Now, it's not the promised line. Um, it's another line. And that's that's on my mind. I'm thinking as I'm studying this passage, why would God choose to bless that? Why would God be in that? It seems like he's already promised a line through Abram and through uh, that will one day lead to Jesus. Well, why would he also bless another line? Um, and as I was studying, I, I read later in, in Genesis 21:13, and it's just because of Abram. It's just the Bible says clearly that uh, because I have my hand on Abram, I will also um, make this other line numerous. But don't get me wrong, they're going to cause some trouble. This guy's going to be like a wild donkey. <laughs> He's going to be a fighter. Um, and actually, uh, historically, that's where uh, um, the Arab nation came through Ishmael. And so, now don't, don't be going, okay, that's why all Arabs are crazy. No. <laughs> Many Arabs have come to know Christ. Um, God has called us to continue to share the gospel. Um, but all of us in this room that are not of Jewish descent are also from other lines. So let's not forget that. <laughs> so this is, again, uh, I think this is really cool, guys, because here we have an Egyptian slave um, having this experience with God and then naming God and saying, God, you are the God who sees me. This is actually the only time in the book of Genesis that a, a woman names God. Um, there's some there's some credibility there. Like, wow, this is kind of a conversional experience where she meets God in the desert. And and what does she do when he says, go back to your mistress who is just mistreating you? <laughs> she believes. She believes. Not Sarai believed. Not Abram believed. Hagar believed God. Look how this story was, was flipped here. And out of worship, she names God. Sorry, fam, I'm trying to get through two more slides here. Um, uh, okay, and so I bring up this um, Galatians passage, and you're like, whoa, how do we get to Galatians? Okay, well, because Paul, in the book of Galatians, references this, so I think it's important that we really quick say, okay, what was Paul trying to teach on that again? He says, for it is written that Abram had two sons, one by a slave woman and the other by a free woman. Um, his son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman represents two covenant. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves like Hagar. Now, Hagar stands from Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery and with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. So, Sarai. I don't have the time to really break this passage down in the way that I'd like to, but I want us to see a couple of things. Paul says right before this, hey, guys, remember, you're all born slaves to sin. Everybody. That's the, that's the way that we come into this world. We come in slaves, um, slaves to sin. And, and God has been 
really, really gracious to select a line of people that would one day bring the Messiah. The key, uh, if you will, to unlock our chains to sin. And so, um, and now through faith in Jesus, we become children of this promise. And so, again, Paul likens those that are in Ishmael's line is to those that are born under law. And those that are in, we'll see in a couple of weeks, Isaac, which is the son that God will give Sarai um, 13 years later. We'll talk about that later. Uh, is, the, is the line of promise. And so, fam, I just want to make it very clear that we all in this room, we don't have to stay in that line of law. Um, we can, by faith in Christ, move to that, that line of promise. We don't have to be born into a family um, you're actually adopted into that family when you say yes to Jesus and what he did on the cross for your sin. Is that hear me, fam? So a couple of things to walk away from this story. Um, believing God, you know, I really struggle with what's the main idea of this passage. I think it's just believing God's promise. <laughs> I know we've said that a lot lately. Um, you know, we could make a case for how not to bless your husband, but no, we're not going to go there. We're going to keep it. Believing God. So who do you most identify with this, in this narrative? Do you identify with Abram, passively led along? Do you identify with Sarai, taking things into your own hands? Do you, do you think that you can help God in his plan? Or Hagar, obeying God even when it's hard. Who wants to walk back across the desert to a woman that's going to uh, mistreat you? to a family that's probably not going to love you. And we'll see soon that she does leave again. She gets kicked out. Which lineage will you be from, family? Haggai, or Sarai, the lineage of faith, or Hagar, the lineage of law? This is a crazy passage. I don't think we can... Uh, um, it's, it's worth time studying this week, family. Continue to go in this, into this chapter and, um, and study hard. And we'll talk it over in our Mac groups. Um, there's a lot in this passage. But, um, but yeah, I want you to really think about who do you identify most with. Um, and then be reminded that we have the decision. Which, which line do we want to be from? The line of faith or the line of law? So with that said, family, we're going to move to a time where um, we're going to, out of worship, give to the Lord. Um, and then we're going to do one last song where we get to... Uh, yeah, just really thank God for what he's done in our lives, connect with him. But as, I, as we always say, family, as we take um, this time to, to give to the Lord through tithe and offering, if you're visiting with us, if you're new, please don't feel obligated to give. Uh, we actually ask that you keep your purses or your wallets to your side. Uh, we're not here um, to just ask you for money. <laughs> if you're a Christian and, and you know what tithing is, um, please feel free to worship. Um, and family of God, this is our time where we do out of out of worship, we give back to the Lord. Hmm. So let me pray for uh, the offering. Holy God, we thank you so much for your Word that it, it is live and it, it penetrates our heart. Uh, Father, may it continue to penetrate our heart as we think about um, these spiritual giants who you, you've used, Abram and Sarai, and the mistakes that they've made. Lord, make, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit not to make those same mistakes. 
lead us now as we, uh, as we take this offering, Father. May you use these resources for your glory in this, in this neighborhood and abroad as we start to think about going missionally overseas. Um, Lord, bless this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.